have been running my whole life, broken, disgusting, filthy, unworthy. Here's where my identity lies. So I've been running my whole life, trying to keep myself together, trying to keep my head above water, trying to leave who I was behind. Let's be honest, I'm exhausted. I've been running a long, long time, hoping that God doesn't catch me, hoping that God doesn't snatch me. What would God say if he saw me? And then I heard of a woman named Gomer. She was a lot like me. She was a prostitute. She was so used to the lifestyle she was living that she had nothing to lose. She was a whore, giving her body away door to door. Nobody wanted her. She had been running her whole life. The pavement was used to her. And then God said to a man named Hosea, go and marry her. Don't wait until she is perfect. Take her as she is now and love on her. And as you pursue her, I hope you get the picture of what it's like for me to love people, people just like her. And when she abandons you, still chase after her. And when she cheats on you, still run after her. And when she goes back to the life that you saved her from, go into the whorehouse and reclaim her. Pay whatever price you have to have her. And though she'll think she doesn't deserve this kind of love, never give up on her. And all these things came to pass. And still, Hosea loved Gomer. And no matter what she did, he was crazy, madly obsessed with her. And I can't help to think that I was once a lot like Gomer. I remember drowning in my sin, falling shamefully onto the ground. I remember staring into the mirror, crying because I saw no way out. I remember half living the substances I was inhaling into my body just so I could forget how disgusting I was. I remember knowing that I would never deserve that kind of love. I remember feeling like Gomer, swallowed, chewed up and spit right out. And I know there are so many of you that know exactly what I'm talking about. We have been running a long, long time, broken, disgusting, filthy, unworthy. We have believed these lies, trying to keep ourselves together, trying to keep our head above water. We were a lot like Gomer, unable to leave who we were behind. But through this, God noticed and he said, I have chased after you your whole life, hoping to catch you, hoping to grasp you, just so I can say, I love you. Stop running, you're mine. And just like Hosea loved Gomer, I will pursue you like a jealous lover. And when you abandon me, I will still chase after you. And when you run from me, I will still run after you. And when you go back to the lifestyle that I saved you from, I will go into the whorehouse and reclaim you. I paid the price. I have to have you. And though you think you don't deserve this kind of love, I will never give up on you. I am crazy, madly obsessed with you. And when we hear God say this, how could we accept this? How could God love this whore? A slut, a liar, a pimp, a thief, a murderer, an addict, an alcoholic, a cheater. Has he seen where we've been? How could he love us now? And 
God says, I loved you then and I loved you while. I loved you while you were half living, giving your body to those who don't deserve you. I loved you while you were lying, living a two-faced life to those around you. I loved you while you were a cheater, an addict, a whore. And the more you run, the more I will pursue you. I love to pursue you. You are what I gave my son Jesus to die for. Aren't you tired of running? Isn't your back sore from the guilt that you have been carrying? Aren't chains exhausting? Come to me and I will break your chains. Come to me and rest your legs. There is no more room for guilt because I have filled you to the top with grace. Your debt is gone. You have been set free. I love you now and I have loved you all along. Yes, God, I am tired of running. Yes, God, I am tired of fighting. And though I can't see how you would want someone like me, but since you do, I'm giving up my running shoes. And after all these years of being pursued, I am saying, yes, God, please capture me. Well, good morning, One Church. Y'all doing good this morning? Fantastic. By the way, just a huge shout out to Brittany. Didn't she do a great job on that monologue? Wow. Really, really good. We're in week four, last week of our pursuit series, and we've been looking at the book of Hosea. And uh, it's really cool about this because it's one of those books that a lot of people just skip over. You really don't think about, but when you really start digging into it, it's really deep. So it kind of got me thinking because this past week, one of the things that I do every Monday morning is I show up at work at 8.30 and I start doing to-do lists. And I'm like, okay, this needs to be done, this needs to be done. And I get this blank sheet of paper and I just start writing everything that needs to be done for the week. Does anybody else do that? All right, cool, all right? Some of us, I, some, some of us live our life by list. Uh, I'm not that quite extreme, but every Monday, I always have my to-do list. And I'm thinking, okay, I've got to do this, I've got to do this better. This kind of got jacked up here, and it's all this. And even though we all have to-do lists, we want to do better, we want to finish better, we want to act better uh, than what we currently are. And, and we say, okay, Monday, it's so easy to start, but many times by Friday, it's hard to finish. In fact, let me just say this. How many of y'all have a project in your garage that is waiting on you to finish? Let me see your hands. All right? Most of you, right? In fact, some of your projects is like up on blocks in your garage, and it takes up the entire garage. By the way, I saw you just look right there. All right? Some of you ladies, you're going like this, right? And then maybe you're, to do, maybe you're like project is you like you started something and there's now a hole in the wall because you started the demolition process in your home and there's still a hole in the wall two years later. And now you're just like, what can I do to cover up that hole in the wall? It's not what can I do to finish the project, what can I do to cover up that we even started the project. Ladies, it may be for you, it may be a scrapbooking project. You bought all of the materials, everything, and you're like, I'm going to really dig down deep and I'm going to do this. And you got all the paper and all the accessories and you got the puncher set and all kinds of ideas and now it's just something that's taking up space in your closet right next to the treadmill that's actually have laundry hanging on it 
because we, that's another project that didn't get finished. We all have a gonna-do list. We try to get better. But many times, when we, even though we do that, we have resistance from the outside, and we also have resistance from the inside of us moving forward and taking steps forward. We spend all of this time and energy and money, and it gets us right back to where we were at, at the starting point. And if we're not careful, we start to think this is how our relationship with God is, that he saves us, we start a relationship with us, but he, he left us with this huge gonna-do list, and it's up to us if it's ever gonna get finished. And it's like everything else in life, if we try to be better, we meet resistance. It's easy to start, but it's hard to finish. But check out this verse. And this verse really does sum up where we're gonna be going today. The, a guy by the name of Paul wrote this book, and he said, a verse, and he said this, and I am certain that God who, what's that next word? Began... The good work within you will what? Continue his work until it is finally finished on the day when Christ Jesus returns. There's three things you need to look there. That God begins, he continues, and he finishes. And today we're going to be looking at the great news that the God who starts that relationship with us will see it through to the finish. But here's the thing that all of us struggle with. There is a gap between who we are and who we should be, isn't it? In fact, for some of us, there's bigger gaps than others, right? We have this, okay, this is what God wants me to do, but here's the realistic expectation of what I do do. And in this middle, we just feel like it's all up to us. But we couldn't be more wrong because our big idea says this. God doesn't just save you. He makes you into all that you were meant to be. God just doesn't come in and swoop down and save us. But he sticks around and he makes us into all that he calls us to be. He finished what he starts. That's what Philippians 1.6 says. I'm going to read it again. And I am certain that God, who began the good working within you, will continue his work until it is finally finished on when the day that Christ Jesus returns. All right, we're going to be in the book of Hosea for the rest of the morning. So if you have your Bibles, go ahead and turn to Hosea chapter 11. If you have a smartphone, go ahead and get out version. There's some really good questions and stuff on there that you can be able to interact with today's message on that as well. So let's look at Hosea chapter 11. By the way, how many of y'all have enjoyed the 30-day pursuit challenge? Sweet. I hope you guys have really enjoyed it. If you've missed a day, that's okay. Call it the 28th. Day pursuit challenge or 16, it doesn't matter. But I hope some of the, the, the text and the emails we've been sending out has been very helpful to you guys. It's been helpful and it's been fun uh, for me as well. So, up to this point, we've been looking at the relationship, our relationship between our Heavenly Father, kind of like a marriage relationship because we've looked at this through the picture and through the eyes of Hosea. The, the God's man, God's prophet, and how God told him to go marry a prostitute by the name of Gomer. Well, in Hosea chapter 11, this whole picture switches and the metaphor switches, and we see that God now is our father and he's talking to us as children. So that metaphor is switched, and now God is like a father and we are his children. Look at what Hosea 11, 1 and 2 says. When Israel was a what? child, I loved him, and I called him my son out of Egypt. But the more I called to him, the farther he moved for me, offering sacrifices to the images of Baal and burning incense to idols. God is saying, look, I found you in captivity. 
You couldn't save yourself, so I saved you. I called you out of slavery. I stepped in. And God meets us in the middle and finishes the work that he begins. He meets us in the middle of our problems, in the middle of our stress, in the middle of your business, in the middle of your fear, pain, failed marriage, and whatever resistance that you're experiencing. And he makes us into something that he is calling us to become. How does that happen, though? How does God make us into that person that he's calling us? I mean, if our big idea today is correct, that God doesn't only just save you, but he makes you into all that he is meant to be, then how can we become that person he means for us to be? How can we move forward? How can we take our next step in our lives? Well, first, this is our first point, is that we have to listen to the God that calls you. We have to listen to the God that calls you. You know, we have got to listen. How many of y'all you know that children struggle listening. All right, I got some pictures. These are some great pictures on the screen. Here are some actual children that did not listen. You know, when mom says, son, do not play with your daddy's clippers. I mean, isn't it crazy that a child, you can whisper the word or you can spell it, I-C-E-C-R-E-A-M. And they're like, what? Right? But when you tell them, don't mess with the clippers or go clean your room, it's like they don't hear that. I love this next one, all right? When mom and dad say, do not lick the pig, and everybody's going, ugh, right? That's nasty, right? I mean, so we got reverse mohawk, we got pig licker. I love this. Well, I love this. This is my favorite. Here's the Sharpie twins, all right? How many times has mama had to tell you, do not write on the baby's face with a permanent marker? (laughs) Oh, yes. And then there's this one. I love this one. See, all the guys in here are going, all right? I mean, this is a case where daddy didn't listen, and when mama told him, do not leave cans of paint open in the living room. Do you think daddy learned his lesson? Probably, right? See, all of us, we can say, you know, kids don't listen. They have selective hearing. But, you know, the same could be said of you and I, that we have selective hearing when it comes to hearing God. We hear him say, I forgive you. I love you. I want to save you. And we respond gladly to that. We lift our hands. We receive that amazing grace we talked about last week. And we begin our relationship with our Heavenly Father. And it's so amazing, but then life starts to happen. And then we meet some resistance, inside or outside. We love going to church, and it feels great, and we love singing, and we love learning, but then after a while, it's like, man, I'm just busy. I, I need a week off. I, I need a Sunday just by myself. And then it becomes two Sundays, and then three Sundays, and then after a while, we don't go to church anymore. Maybe that's some of you guys' story. I know that was my story at one, to- at one point. God calls us, and he moves, and then we move away from him. We say, I know this relationship isn't good for me. I know she's not good for me, or he's not good for me, but she's cute. And he looks great in blue jeans. And it's like, yeah, I love God, but I value that relationship more. And God will understand, right? I mean, they can, maybe they can become a Christian, God calls and we move away. I know what the Bible says to be honest. I know that. But in my job, everyone cheats. And everyone cuts corners. And everybody gossips around everybody. And I know we're short staff. And it's just like, it's a huge struggle. And if I don't cut those corners, then I'm not going to be able to fill my quota. And hey, 
God will understand, right? Hosea chapter 11, verses 1 and 2 says this. When Israel was a child, I loved him, and I called him my son out of Egypt. But the more I called to him, the farther he moved from me. I mean, that is us to a T, offering sacrifices to the image of Baal and burning incense to idols. We've been talking a lot in this series about this idea of idols, idols. And it's not something that really, we really talk about culturally anymore because an idol was simply a statue that represented a god. And, and people in the ancient world would literally bow down and worship these statues. The most common, as we see in this verse, was Baal, when that word literally means master. So we don't have these little statues anymore that we bow down to. We don't. But we all have things that we run to that pleasure us, don't we? An idol is anything that replaces the authority and the position that God wants in your life. It is the thing that you revolve your life around. It's the thing that determines where you go and what you do and how you spend your money on. A lot of people turn to food or alcohol for comfort. Others spend all of their time and energy pursuing romantic love. We can center our lives around sex, or men and women can center their lives around pornography, or physical pleasure, or escapism. Money, fame, accomplishment, all of this just calls to us. And they look like a pathway to our best life, but when we let them displace God, they stop being good things and they become our master. They become our bail. An idol is anything that calls so strongly to us that we would rather respond to that call than to what God is calling us to. And just like those kids in those pictures, not listening to the voice of love always leads you with a mess. Always. You're a mess. And that's why we need to remember the one who saved us. Because here's the thing about idols. This is huge. They demand everything, but they leave you with nothing. They have no life of their own, so they can only extract your life from you. They can take and take and take until there's nothing left of the real you. They can't give you life. They can only take life. Whereas God, when we give our life to him, he is the giver of life, and he gives us life. In fact, he is the author and perfecter of our faith, as one verse says. Another verse says that in him is life is found, and in that you can have life to the full, life abundantly. He gives and gives and gives until you become the real you. Why? Because God doesn't just save you. He is making you into all that he wants you to be. Here's the second point. Depend on the God that transforms you. If you want to become the person that God is calling you to be, then we have to depend upon God. Look at what Hosea 11.3 says. It says this, I myself taught Israel how to walk. I'm going to start right there. How many of y'all, you remember what it, what it was like when you had kids or maybe you was a child and you were learning to walk? I mean, it is kind of dangerous, right? I mean, I remember when our first one, Walt, was just starting to walk. We had pillows everywhere, right? We had no sharp objects. I mean, we just, we had none of that. When, on the third kid, we've got knives hanging out, right? I'm just joking. All right. But I mean, we, I mean, we were so protective parents. Um, and uh, man, it's just, and we want to take them by the hand. That's what this picture is. I taught Israel how to walk. God himself taught Israel how to walk, leading him along by the hand. But he doesn't know or even care that it was I that took care of him. <laughs> Once you become a parent, don't you realize just how many things you took for granted when you were a kid? 
I mean, after you change the thousandth diaper, it's like, what in the shnikes have I gotten into? It's like this. I remember this. Um, going to school, I had a lunchbox. In fact, here's a picture. I found it online. I had a Star Wars lunchbox. Anybody had a Star Wars lunchbox? All right, the force was strong with me and you, right? I, I remember going to school, and I would go to school, and I would open it up during my lunch period, and guess what was in my lunchbox? There was a sandwich. There was some potato chips. There was always stuff in my lunchbox. I never packed my lunchbox. It just magically appeared. And the next morning, you know, I would go to school, I'd open up a lunchbox, and, I mean, there would be my lunch. How does this happen? it's, It's crazy. At the time, I didn't really think about it. Why? Because I took it for granted. My parents did this for me. Here's another picture. Uh, I also had Star Wars bed sheets. I still got these bed sheets. I could be a millionaire on eBay. Just saying. And you know what? My, my bed just magically got made. Well, it wasn't magic. It was who? It was mom. It was dad. And every day without fail, it's like things just happen. The same magic that washed my clothes, that fed me dinner, that gave a roof over my head. But here's the thing. It was so regular, it was so constant and so basic that it didn't seem like magic at all to me. Why? Because I took them for granted. I took it for granted. You took it for granted. My kids do the same with me and my wife with no acknowledgement or appreciation. It's human nature. And this is what God is describing. I raised you like a child. I provided you with all that you need. And he teaches us and provides us with the basics of life. And he he doesn't do it grudgingly. He does it because he loves us. He doesn't feed us and say, you know what, just kind of fend for yourselves. He provides for us so faithfully that it's easy to take it all for granted. The sun rises every day. Well, it's just supposed to rise. No. It's a miracle. We are surrounded by food and water, friendship, beauty, truth. We're surrounded by so much and for so long, we just think we expect it. We deserve it. Nothing can be farther from the truth because our Heavenly Father gives it to us. Gives it to us lovingly. Look at what Hosea 11.4 says. I led along Israel with my ropes of kindness and love. I lifted the yoke from his neck and myself stooped to feed him. This, just leave that uh, verse on the screen if you would. Th- this metaphor even changes now because he's talking about God is talking to Israel like he's like a pack animal, like lovingly. Not an animal that you whip or anything, but look at this. I mean, that God is like the farmer is leading Israel along with my ropes of what? Kindness and what? Love. I lifted the yoke. What is that? That's the burden from his neck. Remember what Jesus says in Matthew eleven twenty eight 28 through 30? Come to me, all who are weary and heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you, for my yoke is easy and my burden is light. I lifted the yoke from his neck, and I myself stooped to feed him. I mean, this isn't a picture of the farmer, God, whipping an animal or driving it forward. No, he leads it kindly. He removes the yoke or the harness when it's time to rest. He bends low and he feeds it from his own hands. I remember when I was a kid, my parents, we had goats. And we lived in the city here in Clarksville. There you go. Welcome to Clarksville, right? We had 20 goats. 
And I remember one time, one of my goats was born, and it was just sick. And I remember, I think it had lockjaw, and it ended up passing away. But I remember bringing the goat into the basement of our house and trying to feed that goat and just lovingly care for that goat while it was in my arms. That is the picture of our Heavenly Father, what He does to us. But here's the thing. For some of you, God stooping low, gosh, that's grace and that's awesome. But you start to think this. God, okay, he's given us a second chance, but that it's up to you to make something of yourself. Yes, that God steps in and he saves us and he's kind, but now it's up to you to keep yourself clean. It's up to you to finish what he started. Listen to what Colossians chapter 1 verse 27 says. I love this verse. It says this. To them, God has chosen to make known among the Gentiles the glorious riches of this mystery, which is Christ and you, the hope of glory. Glory. Did I, did I mess that up? Anybody see what I did there? What did I change? I'll read it one more time. Some of y'all, you need to wake up. Don't make me come out there. All right. To them, God has chosen to make known among the Gentiles the glorious riches of this mystery. What's the mystery? Which is Christ and you. What did I mess up? It's not Christ and you. It's Christ in you. You see, this isn't you and Jesus and you're the dynamic duo. You're Batman. He's Batman and you're Robin. No, no, no. He's the Lone Ranger and you're Tonto. No, this isn't the dynamic duo. This is the amazing solo. This is Jesus in you. But yet some of you, you've been living your life with with it being Christ and you. That it's Jesus who saved you and it's you that it's up to you to kind of live and do right. And some of you live your life by this phrase, I did it on my own with God. Again, Growing up with like toddlers, many times one of the things, even my son Bing to this day, he's six years old, you try to get, if you try to help this dude with anything, he gets frustrated, right? No, I can do it, daddy. This past week, all right, um, my middle son Jed is wanting to help Bing with something, and Bing says, no, Jed, I can do it. Jed gets his feelings hurt. So I have to come along, Jed, and like, Jed, listen, here's the reason why he wants to do it on his own, right? Because, again, he's wanting to learn. All right? But it's so frustrating when you're the person who know that you can do it, but yet somebody doesn't want to take that help. Some of you, that's how you live your life, that it, you can do it on your own with God. And you, you're not going to be the one that completes this work. It's not going to be you that ends up messing up this work within you, that if you are a Christ follower, if you are truly his, he will complete you. He began the work, He will continue the work, and he will finish what he started because it is Jesus in you. So one of the things I want to dwell down deep on this today as we close is some of you, that should give you freedom today. Because for some of you who are Christ followers, your biggest issue was, I just can't be that good enough. I I can't be that good for the rest of the week. And I'm going to be honest with you, you can't. Let me tell you, Jesus can so that you don't have to. And you don't have to worry about being good tomorrow. The only thing you need to worry about is right now. Don't sin now, 
right? And when you do, you confess that. Don't worry about next day when you got that big, no. You worry about today, this moment. And it's in this moment that he will give you the grace that you need so that you can be all that he's calling you to be. Because God doesn't just want to save you. He wants to make you into something that's so much greater than you. The last point, if you want to learn how to become the person that God is calling you to be, the last one is you got to surrender. you got to surrender to God, surrender to the God that loves you. I love movies. How many of y'all love movies? Love movies. There's been a, a disturbing trend in movies this, this past couple of years. When I go to Netflix, go to Redbox, there's a lot of knockoffs out there. Let me show you some. Here we got cars, and then you have what? Little cars. Now, think about this. You're the dad. They send you to Redbox. Daddy, I want you to pick up cars, and you go, I'm going to get little cars. And you come home, probably not going to measure up to Pixar. Let's go to the next one. You got Brave, and then you got Kiara the Brave. Whatever. Here's the next one. There's Kung Fu Panda, and there's the little panda fighter. All right? Some of you are going to have nightmares about that one on the right. Let's go to the next one. You got Tangled Up, which is, again, some of our lives. And then we've got Tangled. Which one is the one that's the original? Some of you are like, this isn't a trick question, all right? It's Tangled. You got Ratatouille, and then you got Ratatouille. All right, some of you, that's what you need to do right now. You need to go to the bathroom and Ratatouille, all right? Keep on going. Here's another one. Puss in Boots, and then you got Puss in Boots in 3D. All right? Again, you have all of these knockoffs. Keep on going. Just some of these. You got, I mean, look at this. The, the Frog Prince, the Prince's Frog. Keep on going. Um, you got, this is, now it's, we got Pacific Rim, and then you got Atlantic Rim. Whatever. All right, go to the next one. This next one's scary. You got High School Musical, and then you have Sunday School Musical. I think I'll pass. All right? Now, again, imagine how disappointed your family would be if they expected you to go and to pick up High School Musical from Redbox and you come home with Sunday School Musical, right? And again, that may be an okay movie, but it's not the real movie. It's not the real movie. It's a knockoff. It's just a lame imitation of something better. Let me tell you, for some of you, that is the reason you've resisted Christianity, because you thought, you know what, God is just going to make you like Ned Flanders. Y'all remember this dude? Right? You think God is going to make you like Ned Flanders, and many of you, you feel like, I'm going to have to give up my identity, and I'm going to have to become a knockoff of Jesus or some other Christian. And I understand that. Because none of us want to lose our identity and become something less than we are. But let me tell you this. That isn't the truth. What you will find is that as you surrender to God, you won't lose your identity. You will find your real identity. As you become more real with God, you will become the real you. I mean, you think about it. Some of the things that you turn to, some of the things that you find your pleasure in, your addictions, that's what we find our identity in. And we say, no, that's the real me. And God's saying, no, that's just alcohol. That's drugs. That's prescription medicine. That's a computer screen. 
That is a relationship that you're trying to find your identity in. And you need to find your identity in me because here's the thing. God doesn't want you to be a cheap imitation knockoff. He created you. He knit you in your mother's womb even before you even knew God. God knew you. And he has a plan and an identity picked out for you. God doesn't just want to turn you into a knockoff. He wants to make you the real thing. And he pursues us to become all that we are meant to be. And the key is surrender. Last verse for the day. So now, come back to God. Come back to your God. Act with love and justice and always depend upon him. Just leave that verse up if you would, Walt. Now, Come back to your God. You know, we talked about this last week, the word, the biblical word repentance. And that's just kind of a big word that literally just means you're to stop and you're to turn and go the opposite direction. So now, come back to your God. For some of you, the thing that you need to hear today is that you can return. It it reminds me of a true story of a trailer park just outside of Arizona. I remember hearing this when I was just a kid, this true story of how this mom, this single mom at a trailer park, just on the outskirts of the desert in Arizona, they were hanging out there. They, the, the child was laying on a blanket asleep under an umbrella outside, and the mom gets a phone call. She goes into the trailer, answers the phone, is not in there for five minutes, comes back out and finds that her little toddler is gone, totally missing. And she freaks out. You would too. And she looks and she can't find her little son. And she calls the authorities. True story, the authorities, they show up. They do a massive search. They search all throughout the afternoon into the evening. They don't find the son anywhere so they close down the search until the next morning and they keep on expanding it one mile radius two mile radius five mile radius eight mile radius and later that day the next day they find this little child this little toddler dressed only in diapers nine miles away from his home and everybody's scratching their head going what in the world how did this child get nine miles away from his home. And the child's okay. Boy's dehydrated, has a sunburn, but the child is okay. But everybody's left wondering, how did that child get so far away from home? And it's very easy because that child took one little baby step at a time. You keep on taking steps away from home, there's going to become a point when you look back and you can't see home anymore. For some of you, you have taken those steps for so long and you've ran so far away from your Heavenly Father, you don't even remember where home used to be. In fact, you think that God has totally given up on you. That God is like, you know what? I'm done with you. But you couldn't be further from the truth because he that began a good work in you is continuing that good work, and will complete it. And you are here today, you are listening today, you are watching today, wherever you're at, it's not a coincidence. 
Because today, that voice, that nudge you feel in your heart and your life, that isn't Chris, that isn't anything else, that isn't your enemy, that is your Heavenly Father drawing you home. Saying that you can come back. You can always come back. No matter how far you've gone, you can return home. For others of you, it's like you've never had a home. And this whole church Jesus thing is so new to you. And you still have a lot of questions. I understand that. I still have questions. Questions are okay. God doesn't shrink back from your questions. Do you know that? You can't think of a question and God go, oh my gosh, I didn't think of that. I'm going to have to invent something. No, he doesn't do that. He is totally willing to answer and hear your questions. And some questions there will be answers for. And others, you won't get them quite yet. You will be waiting just like I am, just like so many other people are. But it's in that aspect of waiting and praying that we are to realize that God wants to be real to you. And he longs for a relationship with you. You want to know how much? All you have to do is look at Jesus. Because God's son came to the earth as a baby, lived 33 years. I mean, think about this. God's son, who is eternal, lived in heaven like up to that point. There's, uh, Jesus has always been, but he's been hanging out with the angels, God the Father. God, he's having a great old time. And then he comes down to be with you and to be with me. It's like going over to Cousin Eddie's house and visiting. It's not fun, right? I'm sure that's exactly how Jesus Christ felt. It's like, yeah, I love these people, but man, I'd sure, I do like it a lot better up there. But he was willing to come down and be with us, even though the people of that time mistreated him. He was misunderstood. They didn't know where he was coming from. He would say things and they would scratch their head. I don't understand what you're coming from. And Jesus is like, I love you so much. And my words can't express just how much I love you, so I'm going to... I'm going to show it to you without words. And he decides, I am going to be crucified for my sins. He dies for you and for me so that we, we can become all that God is calling us to be. So if you're here today, and yeah, you have questions, you're struggling, but you want to begin that relationship, you can do that now. Let's bow our heads. You want to begin that relationship today all you have to do is ask him to pray a prayer just like this our Heavenly Father thank you so much for loving me thank you for calling me Lord right now I'm stopping running I'm hanging up my running shoes and I'm coming back to you Lord, I'm, I'm turning from everything, all of the junk, all of the stuff that you call sin, that I may call all these other different things. They aren't you. It's an idol. And Lord, I'm turning from that, and I'm coming to you. And even though I've got questions, God, even though I'm struggling with how you even do things, Father, right now, I accept your son. I believe in him, and I'm trusting him to wipe my slate clean. Lord, for him to be able to give me grace and to wipe all of the junk 
off and out of my life. God, right now, I'm asking you, come into my heart, come into my life. From this point forward, I'm following you. In Jesus' name, then I pray.